What's up guys, thanks for tuning in to Caffeine and Cardboard, where you can get your weekly dose of board games in just a casual way, in a mm -hmm. conversation between two guys uh, over a cup of coffee. Specifically, tonight, we're drinking Dunkin' Medium Roast. That's right, Dunkin' Donuts, or now I guess it's just Dunkin'. Is it just Dunkin'? Week. Some places, they some places it is. Yeah. Um, and for us, it's just an excuse to uh, drink coffee at night for, for no good reason other than to want to be authentic. We're, we're bringing you the real, authentic thing. That's right. Uh -huh. Tonight, we do have more of a reason to be drinking coffee, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks for tuning in again, guys. My name is Connor. I'm one of your co-hosts on this show. And I'm Rodney. And today, we're going to be talking about the social aspect of gaming. But before we get into that, uh, Rodney and I are actually live in action mm -hmm. uh game 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 day what is it called pre-gaming pre that's right <laughs> pre-gaming our dunkin medium roast right. we are tailgating the uh <laughs> a big night it that's is right. it is war game night uh we're gonna get just a just a, a pile of dudes together and we say we're gonna have a game night the only rule is any game you're playing must include some kind of uh battle skirmish war uh or brawl just brawl uh uh uh, uh Bruhaha, Donnie yeah. Brook, any of those things, um, and so yeah, we got. Oh, we're looking at a big pile of unmatched boxes. Root, um, Game of Thrones board game might get played. That's a long one though. Uh, you know, yeah, get ready, get ready. Um, and I think what I'm excited about for tonight is uh, I've lived a lot of Friday nights. I don't have specific memories of all of them. I guarantee you, we will remember things from tonight. Uh, we'll have people oh, yeah. make us laugh. We'll have moments within the games that were like interesting, you know, dice rolls or card plays and, you know, all comes down to this, but we'll have a lot of fun. And that is kind of leading us into our more long form conversation of the week. And it's uh, it kind of thinking about uh, when it comes to board games, like what's above the table is like mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. So, you know, we got the game itself and the, the components and this and that, but like what is happening that makes it, you know, not just a, a video game or not just watching TV or, mm -hmm. or there's so many pastimes. There's so many yeah. ways we can spend our time. Why, you know, Connor and I just want to talk a little bit more about like why do we care about this one. Yeah. And I think something uh, that's important to say is like um, a lot of times people view board games as like a form for people to get out their competitive side. And they're just like, I think there's this yeah. trope that yeah. like people that love playing board games just like winning. You know what? It's so funny you say that because the other day um, at work, uh, Connor and I uh, are both counselors. Uh, I do some group counseling. So we, we see a lot of different people. We interact with a lot of people. And the people in my group know that uh, I love games. And someone made a comment like, oh, you just must want to win all the time. And I love letting people know that, like, actually, no. Um, I mean, I want to win. When I sit down and play a game, I want to yeah. win. But it's really – I really don't sit and I don't think about strategies. I don't think – you know, I, I just I just love the games. I love the experience. All those different things. I was thinking about setting this up, and um, I was trying to think about like special board game memories that I've had that, that mm. go beyond again just the game itself. Like, oh, I had such a good game of you know blank. And um, we were talking last time about like our gate board gaming story. It, it really probably was more a part of my life than I think about. Like mm. my my grandma, I can remember playing. Um, she passed away a few years ago, but we played the game Rummy Cube. We played that with her all the time. Uh, she loved it. She loved she loved board games. Uh, she had a good little collection in her own closet. Uh, but I was thinking about, and again, we talked about this last time too, but War of the Ring. The only time I played it was with my um, brother, who uh, we, we won't go too much into details. That's uh, not what the podcast is for. Mm. But basically, kind of weird situation with my brother. I have not seen him for a while, and I, I don't know when I'm going to get to see him again. And um, Actually, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that's who you played. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings with. So yeah. that's interesting. I don't have a good concept for And he's actually who introduced me to Lord of the Rings, and so we mm. were going to have fun. We started the game at midnight. <laughs> Perfect time. It was a bad <laughs> idea. Uh, so it might not have taken four hours, if not for, for all that. It it was so much fun. I, I have specific memories from the game itself, right? Mm. From being like, we had the movies on in the background. Uh, weirdly, in my retelling of Lord of the Rings, uh, Boromir made it to Mount Doom with Sam and Frodo. Nice. Behaved himself the whole way. And, you know, I agreed. No, well, none that we knew of. And he plunked <laughs> the ring into the fires of Mount Doom. And it was just, it was like fun and storytelling. We had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and with everything that's happened, you know, within my, you know, kind of relationship with my brother and just stuff he has going on, that becomes an increasingly special moment for me that mm-hmm. we stayed up till 4 a.m. playing, playing War of the Ring. Totally. Um, and, and I can just, I can think of even some more of those. And so, you know, I, I wanted to say, you know, coming off of that, what we're not doing here, we're not trying to overstate the value. If our wives listen to this, they might be like, oh, okay, so that's why Rodney has all those games. He's mm-hmm. trying to play. Oh, okay, yeah, right. We understand there are tons of ways to connect with people. Like yeah. there are so many ways to see, you know, just having coffee, going out, you know, breaking bread, eating mm-hmm. together, um, whatever. There's so many ways. This is just our preferred way. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and I gave a personal example, but Connor and I kind of believe that there are more general benefits for anyone who would play, right? Maybe you listen to my story about my brother and you're like, oh, that's a nice story, but that I, I don't see where the comp is for me. We think there's some some pretty overarching benefits yeah. that someone would get from it. Yeah, totally. Well, I think there's an interesting discussion about the distinction between the object of a game and the purpose of it. Like the object, mm-hmm. like you open, you get the game ready and you're like excited about it because you want to try to win. And there's an agreement among sure. everybody is like, I'm gonna try to win the game. Otherwise, it's that's not a game. Like if everybody right. isn't playing to win, we might as well be coloring. Exactly. Like, so that's like the object, but the yeah. purpose of that thing of everybody trying to win is the the connection that happens. Yeah, yeah I've heard you say it before. Well, you can restate it better, mm-hmm. but like the the game can never be bigger than the social aspect or something. You said it one time in yeah. a very a very quippy way that made me feel like. Uh, a great bumper sticker yeah i don't remember exactly what that was but i think, uh, i mean basically to that effect like yeah. there's nothing in gaming that supersedes the social aspect the connection mm-hmm. the the bond um that you can make with other people and i'm thinking about my own examples of memories like my grandmother and i mentioned her last time too but she taught me how to play euchre when i was like eight years old just Boy, a woman. classic you know midwest card game and uh that was awesome. Like, I remember that. I remember sitting at her kitchen table, and it was just the two of us. We didn't even actually play because yeah. you need four people. And uh, well, she was teaching you the. the yeah, yeah. She was teaching me all about all about Bowers and Trump and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And uh, yeah, it was it was really fun. And I can remember that twenty years later. And I have other memories like that too among friends and uh, with me and my wife. That just like gaming is special because and, of those. Things. And you would have made memories with your grandma, and I could have made a memory with my brother that didn't have anything to do with board games. But it just seems like it. We've got a lot to do, right? And yeah, like, totally. It, they just can serve that purpose. So, a couple things that I I was thinking about that like, um, what are some some general things? And, and what I mean by that is general benefits that you if you really got into this hobby. That doesn't even mean buying a collection. Just mm-hmm. just playing it. Just looking for people to play games with. Maybe finding a few games you really like. You could expect to um, get the get these benefits. The first one I thought of is, um, and this will sound like I'm again. I, I'm trying not to sound like cheesy or over the top, but games are like an immersive sensory experience. That sounds now, very uh, game guru. That's you. right. That's right. <laughs> 
Now, I like to put a, you know, essential oil diffuser yeah. that smells like cardboard. No, You're looking to not... heal people through board gaming. <laughs> That's right. No, I, I think that uh, there's, a, there's like a toy factor mm. to them, right? Yeah. I, I will watch people and watching them shuffle cards or, or handle a hand of cards, watching them sort of, uh, you know, if a game has anything that's anything like a poker chip. Mm. Flipping it around, doing different things with it, right? It's got kind of that, some of that, you know, fidget toy aspect to it, but also like you're, you know, whereas in a video game, those are very immersive and so many things and you can control so much. At the same time, you also, um, you aren't touching anything, but you're controller, right? This lets you move pieces on a board and it lets you just, just cool moments where, um, you know, Maybe it's a game where you're bluffing each other and you're watching someone, right? Mm-hmm. So when I say immersive sensory experience, it's not just touch. You know, you're 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 hearing people chat across yeah. the table in a negotiation game. You're watching someone's facial cues as they as they bluff, right? Like it, it just has all this stuff together, and you're 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 touching stuff. I don't know what to say. Like it's good. <laughs> it's, it's you can get kind of lost in it. Mm-hmm. There's games that have storytelling elements. So that, that's one. Um, it kind of feeds into this next one. Games let you, I thought about this today, they let you flex your intellect, imagination, and social side, and some of them do it all at once, right? So yeah. a lot of games have strategy to them. Not all do, by the way. It, sometimes it's just, you know, they're, they're not so heavy strategy. Mm. It's more of a fun party game or whatever. But if if you're able to, like I mentioned the War of the Ring, right? We were thinking about Lord of the Rings as we were doing, what if the story was really like this, yeah. right? Uh, Mary Pippin and Legolas just just hung out in Fanghorn Forest the whole game. It would have been very boring to watch. Yeah. I just imagine a cutscene where you just see them and they're just like sitting on a stump, like picking their nails or whatever, and yeah. then it goes away. Right? Like, <laughs> but like you, you can have your imagination come out. And then also, of course, there's the social side. And that brings me kind of to my last one, which is you sit face to face. I've had a lot of experiences over the last handful of years where a group of friends and I. Uh, you know, we're all just a bunch of millennials hanging out and I look around and I'm doing it too, but right. I look up from my phone and everyone's sitting in a living room or a kitchen area or whatever. And they're all looking at their own phones. And it's mm-hmm. like these moments are like, that's not what we want to do, yeah. you know, but it's just the autopilot that we have. Right. And so a game puts you around a table. It has you look another person in the eye yeah. as you truly interact. And like we said, like I said, you know, those are some thoughts I had. I just think that like, yes, are there other ways to get some of those things? Sure. But this does all of them. And, you know, we've tried to introduce, you and I have both tried to introduce a lot of beginners to games. Totally. Some of them we're still waiting to play the second game with them. Okay. Yeah. But I would say very many of them get the itch. Yeah. Right? They've gone like, on to play their that. second and third and fourth games. And By then game. without us. Yeah. yeah. And that it's, it's sort of like, a, games it's sort of like this, this pay it forward where you show someone an experience. Because I, I agree. It's, a, it's an immersive experience in general kind of what I was speaking to in our first episode about like games just kind of suck you in, but they also help you look outward. And I think uh, it's a, it's a product of like the nature of games itself is that you're kind of looking for what other people are like, especially uh, I think like tonight in war games, like Mm -hmm. people's personalities will really come out and, and with, without the game, I don't know that the same opportunity would present itself for someone who's really smart to right. show their their intellect, like you said, or for someone who's really creative to develop this, mm-hmm. like, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, un, unorthodox strategy yeah. and make that come to light. And I think that games offer a, a low pressure and high reward yeah. opportunity for that to happen. And it makes me so sad because people think it's high pressure. Back to what you said, yeah. when they think everyone's trying to win and it's all about winning, 
people will come in like and you and we'll talk about you know teaching games and playing games with difficult gamers um like when you have people that are like i don't understand what's going on and then everybody's getting stressed out it's like i think that's usually coming from a place of like oh no just like sit back and like play the game yeah it's just you know we're having fun and if it is all about winning then it is high pressure but if we as like if we as more experienced gamers can ease that a little bit and and show people that it is really just a social experience. I think people in general will enjoy their experience of gaming so much more. But that starts with the people who show them games. So Connor, yeah, I have a theory. I have a theory that everybody loves games. I agree. Yeah. Okay, it's yep. about finding the right games for them. Okay, and I also have a little bit of a theory that um, that I don't believe. <laughs> how, do you, how do you like that? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but it sounds good. Uh, <laughs> it's that there are no bad games. Um, okay. I don't believe that. Let me start there. I think there are bad games. But it sounds good, okay? Um, but what I what I mean to say is, typically, when someone's talking about a game being bad, mm-hmm. it's really not that they didn't like it. Bad. It's that they didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. And somebody else might like it. And you'll see people, the internet, <clears throat> I'm not sure if you're aware of those people fight on the internet. Can you believe it? And, uh... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I can't. Um... And I think it's usually just people fighting about preferences, right? Yeah, it's about opinion and not objective. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think people can have a bad time. Uh, people can have a bad experience. But I don't think the yeah. games themselves, what do we want to call them? Low, even lower quality games aren't necessarily bad games because they have that opportunity for people to come together and, and sit mm-hmm. around a table and, and learn about each other and and hopefully have a good time while they're doing it too so to help people with that yeah you're going to introduce a segment that people again we're not going to do every segment we think of every week but this is one people i think are going to yeah. see often if they if they follow this us. is another uh, caffeine and cardboard first there'll mm-hmm. be uh, a lot of those as we yeah. as we start this off and flush it out but we're we're going into the segment called who would play that mm-hmm. and uh, basically what we want to do with this is sort of take a few games break them down a bit and say is this game right for your beginner group is this game right to play with your spouse is this game right to uh show to a group of friends who's never played games before and is this right for your heavy board game night um so we're gonna go through you're totally right about spouse and it's making me i forgot spouse so uh-huh. um... yeah there's all these categories that that games fall under and there are some games that i shouldn't play with taylor my wife just but you know her you know yeah. what she likes and what would be like just not a fun time for her and absolutely uh if both people, you know, two-player game aren't having a fun time. It's not. It's not worth. It. It's back to your idea, right? Yeah. The social can't be uh, overshadowed by the game of it. Right. I have lots of games that I love and would love to get a play of, but when Riley, my wife, is like, you know, I'll play anything you want to play, mm-hmm. which is like my birthday. Yep. Because <laughs> she's not afraid to say no. I still look at things and I'm like, well, I don't want to play that with her because I don't yeah. want her to have a bad time. Right. And then, you know, like... I think the setting is important too. Maybe that's yeah. a different conversation, but just a funny story is that one time Taylor and I uh, walked away from a, a gaming evening uh, and basically she was like, if uh, there's ever a game night and it's just going to be you and some other some some middle-aged men, mm-hmm. then I don't want to be a part of that game uh, night. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's nothing against those middle-aged men. Uh, and Taylor didn't have a... Uh, a bad experience of the game but maybe right. had a bad experience socially and maybe i could have been more in tune to that yeah. as as part of the social aspect of game and you know too. as a middle-aged man no i just want to say <laughs> if you invite me to a game and it's just me and some middle-aged men and your wife i'm gonna have a great time i know no, i'm kidding i uh but if I like, so, so like hypothetically if riley invited you to a game night that was uh 
all of like girls from her college ministry and you and Riley. Yeah. Maybe you wouldn't have as uh, fun of a time just by the nature of the relationships in a room. Yeah. No, you're totally so anyways, right. Context matters. Yeah, we're let's, jumping in. Let's hit them with the categories. So, okay. so this this is subject to change. Anything you're joining us for, we're we're you know, like I said last time, we're kind of getting our sea legs a little bit. But um, we had this idea of uh, five now because spouse is absolutely a good yeah. one. Um, and, and and we're gonna take a look at this. Sigo, significant other. No, okay. Um, the. We're going to basically, when we do this uh, segment, we're going to take three games and we're going to run it through these five different people. Yeah. And just so you know, this is called stereotyping. And we recognize <laughs> that. We really do. But we're trying to give you a, a quick, you know, people who play games and want to spread the gospel of games. Yeah. Understand what we're talking about with this and you can kind of personalize it to yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the first one, you want to go with that? Yeah, yeah. So we're uh, we're starting off. So the five categories. The five categories are yeah. uh, your parents, mm-hmm. fellow gamers, hobby mean? hobby gamers, yeah. uh, your cool friends. So cool. I want to explain cool friends. Yeah, real cool quick. friends. So this was gonna be like intermediate or whatever. This is your friends who are they're cool with gaming. They're good. They're like, yeah, this sounds fun. Like they're go with the flow. Mm-hmm. But they're definitely gonna be overwhelmed with like mm. Terra Mystica with both expansions. They're oh, like, yeah. oh wow, I don't want to do that. You yeah. know what I mean? So they're cool in both ways, right? Maybe a little too cool to be a nerd, but they're cool with a fun experience. Cool so with the like, idea of games. Yeah. Yeah. These are your wingspan friends. You okay. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after cool friends, we've got beginners. That's self-explanatory. And then mm-hmm. the discussion we just had is your spouse or your partner. Yeah. One of those people. So yeah, we're going to take these three games uh, and sort of slide them into those categories, basically. And we're starting off with Jaipur, which is this uh, Indian market themed game, basically, that's centered around set collection. Um, it's very simple. Um, strategy wise, you're basically just collecting cards and then playing them to purchase goods. Um, and the person with the most points wins. It's very simple, back and forth. Uh, I think this is a great game for beginners. It's also only a two-player game, so that kind of makes it perfect yeah. to play maybe with your spouse. Yeah, spouse, we're in. Okay, so yeah. so let's let's go through them, and we don't need to have any specific uh, mm-hmm. order. Uh, we'll start with beginners and move yeah. up the ladder there, and then we'll go spouse and and your parents. By the way, if you're about your parents. We both said it. our parents have played games mm-hmm. before, and that's good. But they, you know, it's just a different deal. I don't know if it's like a, a generational thing that like some of the games that we have just did not exist mm-hmm. when they were at an age where they would have like been investing. In, you know, I, I don't know. Totally. So like whatever, your parents, you get it. Family get together, they're like, hey, what's this thing? Uh, so beginners, that's check. a yes. Yeah, that's a check. Big check mark. Yep, they're not going to be overwhelmed, and they're going to get to experience some cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, mechanisms that will maybe get them hooked and, and get them interested in other games. Yeah. How about your cool friends? I think cool friends is another fit for Jaipur. Um, yeah, it's just so low pressure. It's such a quick game that even if they're like, yeah, I didn't really like that, it probably only took you 20 to 30 yeah. minutes to finish the whole game. Um, and it's it's not a lot of components. It's really just a deck of cards and some coins. Yeah. And so there's that there's there's an element of a lot of components equals a lot of pressure. And so if your cool friends are coming to a game night, then if you've got some some low stakes, low component games, then they're likely to play them and enjoy them, I think. People talk a lot about the idea of like a filler game. Yeah. Tonight we might have that where there's totally, you know, one game still has 30 minutes left, the other game finished. You know, this is the kind of game that your cool friends will mm-hmm. sit down and be like, yeah, oh, cool, we'll play that. And roll yeah. Um, gamers too. That's our next one. I think that, I think even Jaipur is good with gamers, two gamers. Yeah. Um, because 
the competitive nature of it can come out like Rodney and I can sit down and play a very heated and enjoyable game of Jaipur in 30 minutes. And and like I said, this is kind of the opposite of what I was just mentioning is that for us, it's just a deck of cards and some coins. And so there's a there's an element of it where it's like this competition between uh, Rodney and I as gamers of like, okay, what is what is he yeah. going to do when I make this move? And what's and I think that's something that stretches us as people who play games and also just like helps us get to know each other better as fellow gamers. Well, one thing that will come up with Connor and I a lot is uh, we play games with like software engineers, uh, one literal rocket scientist, uh, just different different people that it's like mm-hmm. they're just they're just bigger brains than us, yeah. man. And so I do still think that they like it. The difference will be your beginner is going to catch on. They're going to see it. They're going to mm-hmm. go, but they're just going to kind of take it as it comes. Your gamers are going to be doing things like figuring out, okay, we've seen this many cards of that color. So yeah. There's only that many left, but they can still do it, right? It might not be their favorite game. It might not be the most stimulating, but they'll they'll do it. Um, is this a clean sweep? I think your parents... Maybe. I think this depends on who your parents are. I, and that'll I, always be the case right. with this, but if we're going just... Okay, it's... Parents it's in general. Boomers. Boomers. <laughs> boomers. Boomers. Yeah. Boomers that don't really play games, but it's Christmas and, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah, I think I think it could happen. I think it could happen for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm not ruling it out, um, but I think it's it's like the, said, it the depends your, on the parent. The your parent one will probably be the, the first one to say no to a game, and for that's sure. we'll just you know. So and we'll um, probably get to that when we talk about this next game. I think I think it's right there. Maybe it's different for your parents than mine. Interesting. But the next yeah. game that we're talking about is Cascadia. So I can talk a little bit about Cascadia. Yeah. It's a Thailand game for one four players. And it's got a theme of kind of like, you know, Rocky Mountain, American wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a cool concept where you have hexagon tiles that are going to have um, one to three different uh, terrains on them. You know, yep. mountain, lake, uh, grassland. Um, and as you put them together, you're creating larger chunks of terrain. That's one oh, yeah. way you score points. Love that landscape. Then you also, when you take a tile, you get to take an animal with it. And, you, you know, you put it down. Is there certain rules on how you put it mm-hmm. down? But every animal scores a little bit different. There's salmon in the game. You want a big long line of salmon. Okay. Hey, there's there's uh, uh, bears in the game. It might tell you you want pairs of them, but once you get a third next to the, you lose those points. So you only want you know pairs of them. Mm-hmm. Just stuff like that. Um, hawks where they you don't want them touching any other hawk or things yeah. like that. Pretty so, simple, like I, mechanically, I so. but higher complexity as far as rules goes. As far as you can place that there, but you probably don't want to place it here. Whereas with Jaipur, the game we were talking about before, it's just like. Try to get the most of this set and then buy the most of the goods that you can. But this is a little slightly more complex, in my opinion. It is slightly more complex. And so, okay, I will say, um, we can go right off the bat. Gamers will play it. Mm -hmm. It won't be the most amazing thing they've ever played, but they'll play it. It'll be another filler. Your cool friends will play it. Now is when we get into uh, interesting territory. I, if again, when we say spouse, we're talking about our spouses basically who are willing to play games. Oh, yeah, it's not always the first thing they think of, but even sometimes they might even be like, Hey, let's play a game, right? Which that's is kind like of our, you said, our it's like your birthday. That's let's play any game, and it happens once a year. Um, I can tell you it's good at two players and a spouse, uh, if, if they're a person interested in games, and it's a kind of a unique theme, it's not yeah. trading in the Mediterranean or anything like that, so it's. I think it's a yes for spouses. Yeah. The ones where it's going to be interesting are your parents and beginners. Yeah. My parents are definitely out on this one. And I think just what I said with the extra layer of complexity, I think it's just across the line for beginners too. Maybe if you show them a similar, very simple tile yeah. laying game, 
um, then this would be a good fit. But if this is like, I just invited this person to a game night for the first time, they don't know what they've played, right. I might not break out Cascadia with them. So what's cool is they do have a different set of scoring cards for the animals that's like, forget all the that's different true. configurations mm -hmm. and all this, because that could get overwhelming. I think there's five different animals. They all score differently. That could really overwhelm a beginner, but they just have it where I think it's just like you score certain points for how big your different groups of different animals are. You know, so you're you're really not having to think too much about that, and that, that mm -hmm. could be a good way to ease them into it. Uh, I, I tend to agree. I lean more towards beginners could handle it, but more like what you said, this is like, now you got to put a bigger magnifying glass over what type of beginner are we talking yeah. about? Is this someone who seems excited at the prospect or is this a very skeptical, I, I call them the, I have no idea what's going on person. Cause that's just what they say the whole time you're teaching. Right. Um, the last one. Go for it. No, All go right. For it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we're jumping into what? Third one now. Third one is, uh, from last year. I think it just came out. It's yeah. uh, Brian Baru. Hi, it's, King uh, of, don't know. Don't hi, sorry, subtitle. sorry, sorry, sorry. It's Brian Baru, High King of Ireland. Yes. The whole thing. Uh, this is a trick-taking game. Um, trick-taking and area control. And area control. Weird so mashup. Like taking a game of euchre or uh, Tichu or bridge, and then mm -hmm. putting a board game into it. Over so, top of it. <laughs> over top of it, yeah. Um, so yeah, you can look it up if you want to know more about mm -hmm. it. But what? Let's go with. Let's start with beginners. No, they're no, out. that's I'm a hard sure pass. That's a hard pass. It's a. Uh, it is not, I mean, I think I'm going to go with, like, uh, Terra Mystica with both expansions as my go-to example okay. of, like, way to... <laughs> it's not that. It's mm. not that, but it's um, it's going to have a lot of moving parts, and they're, they're going to feel left behind a little bit. Um, okay, I can see the I can see the one that's going to be interesting here. Yeah. So, uh, gamers, that's a yes. For sure. Yeah. We played this, what, with two other guys mm -hmm. just a few weeks ago, a couple months ago. That's um, right. And it was great. It was great. Yeah. Um, your parents aren't playing this. No, no. no. no they will look at the box and immediately be like, "What? Right. That looks like some kind of history book." Yeah. And we're about to. Well, speaking of which, then that. let's go to this one. How about your spouse? That's a no for sure for my spouse. I don't know. Do you think Riley would play that? No. Yeah. No, no chance. No chance. Not a chance. Um, your cool friends aren't playing this either. Okay, that's the one I was curious about. I. I don't you, think so. I think your cool friends could play this. I'm not saying they couldn't. I'm saying they won't. <laughs> I think I think what I would ask said cool friends is, mm -hmm. do you play Euchre? And if they say, uh, I kind of know how, you pass. If they're like, oh, I love Euchre. Maybe yeah. they're in. Yeah, so. yeah maybe yeah, they're in. I think so. Um, so, yeah. So, that's that's that segment. We'll, we're going to be, like, going back to that every now and again. Mm -hmm. And uh, just with some different games. And uh, uh, probably also, like... Maybe mixing up the uh, categories too as we get going, but we're yeah. gonna finish off with our uh, this week's top six list, yeah. and uh, we're actually gonna combine this one instead of going back and forth. Because yeah, this is another caffeine and cardboard first. We combine uh, top six. we actually almost entirely agreed when we looked at our list, so we figured let's just switch up a little bit and, yeah. and go for it. So the top six list this week is we've kind of been talking about the social element of gaming, different levels of gamers, and things like that. So. Connor thought up, what are the top six uh, gaming mechanisms right. for beginners? If you want to hook somebody into gaming, what are the mechanics, the styles of games that like can get them? So Yeah, totally. My thought was like, if I want someone to play a game with me again, what kind of game am I going to show them there potentially for the first time? So number six uh, is trick-taking. So we just talked about Brian Baru, 
and we mentioned euchre those are trick-taking games it could basically. also be that we live in the midwest and there's like it's like a shorthand that like people that don't <laughs> play games are like what well, but i play euchre and know how to spell it so yeah <laughs> i know how to spell it uh, other places, uh, trick-taking games can can really be fiddly with the rules, so we can't put this any higher, but mm-hmm. the act of, like, my card beats your card and, and getting to strategize a little bit with, with your hand and how you're going to play things out. Yeah. Um, can I think really it's good. so simple, and, and it can be a lot of fun, too, despite the simplicity of it. I wanted to, for some of these, I wanted to look through them and sort of uh, what our uh, board game geek will let you look at the mechanisms and say, like, what's a popular or highly rated game for that so the most the most highly rated trick-taking game is actually the crew oh the quest for yeah planet nine love it all right um and uh and actually the second highest rated is the crew mission deep sea which is like the, <laughs> the same game almost um pretty much so there but there are some very old school games uh you know card games with a regular 52 card deck that uh that use this mm-hmm. uh number five we we agree that um Auction and bidding. Yeah, I think. 100%. Uh, now we have been just so you know, we mentioned our war game uh, night, and uh, actually we we paused in the middle. We've had some people show up there silently waiting awkwardly in the background, uh, <laughs> whispering to each other. But as soon as I said auction and bidding, I knew that our good friend Barry uh, he hung his head. He, he said, uh. "Oh my lord." Um, but the reason I put this is mm-hmm. uh, probably because I love these games, but also that's like a thing that people do in real life. Right? Yeah, they can get behind You don't roll a lot of dice. Like we, don't, we, we haven't cast lots <laughs> very life. much yeah, uh, recently. That's a good point. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things that gaming, it's like you're simulating experience, but the thing you're actually doing is not a real life thing. Yeah. Um, auction and bidding is something that we're kind of familiar with. Like, uh, you know, okay, they want that. I pay a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different styles of bidding and stuff like that. There's a lot of great games. Um, I feel like the golden thread of this whole list is just like the simplicity um, and the like payoff for that simplicity, right? For for showing it to beginners, and I feel like auctions do that really, really well. I'm thinking about a game like Ra that we mentioned last time. Yeah, my, that, fa- my favorite game. Yeah, so favorite game. Ra is going to get mentioned a couple times here. Um, auctions cool too for a beginner for this reason. If they think they want a thing, they can probably have it, yeah. right? Maybe they spend all their you know money or you know however the game works, but. Um, and that can be like kind of how they learn the game a little bit. They're like, oh, I shouldn't have spent that much or whatever, but uh, they, they have agency. Uh, some games uh, Through the Ages, number nine game of all time, mm-hmm. has a little bit of bidding. Power Grid, Five Tribes, uh, and then it's it's not on this list of top games, but uh, Rodney's favorite game of all time, Raw. Yeah. So number four. Yeah, number four was uh, an interesting conversation between Rodney and I because this is the only one on our list that we had. Uh, flipped with another one so this is cooperative games Uh, and the reason that it's not higher i think is because sometimes cooperative games can have an overwhelming element because people maybe feel like uh, everyone else knows what they're doing and i don't know and i'm bringing down the team and that kind of idea but i think in general the idea that all of us sitting around the table are working together towards a common goal is really easy to get behind Um, and that has some sometimes that can have the lowest pressure of any game i mean we talked about the idea of of competition and winning and someone being really um, maybe anxious or worked up about you know i don't really know what i'm doing or what's what strategy do i do or just basically tell me how to take my turn right and that can be that can be yeah that's not super fun yeah when they're good this i want i almost thought of this as the number one and then we moved it all the way back to four because uh quarterbacking is just such Mm -hmm. a it's such a risk and usually someone is teaching other people the game so by that just 
that's just set up that they know yeah. what to do and, and things like that. Um, number one game of all time, according to BGG, Gloomhaven is a cooperative game. The number two game of all time, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, is a yep. cooperative game. The number six, the number 11, the number 16, the number 24, cooperative games are all over the top games list. So yeah. they are definitely fun puzzles to figure out. It's cool to kind of synergize your stuff together. But if you're a beginner, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, number three, set collection. This kind of is what it sounds like, but just the idea of I'm going to... Um, gather some stuff throughout the game and if i get three of this that's worth so many points or if i get one of each color card mm -hmm. i get points and like that is something people can wrap their minds around um man if only there was a game that had auction and set collection wouldn't that be the greatest game of all time thank you Ra and yeah. dr Reiner shameless for all shameless done. plug i guess yeah yeah, shameless <laughs> plug. yeah i get my uh yeah a game we mentioned earlier jaipur is uh mm -hmm. is a set collection game basically that's sure. the entire mechanic is collecting uh, cards and then using those cards to purchase sets of goods um, and it's it's so simple and the just the action of it uh, is is really easy to teach I think that's another part of this discussion is can it be taught easily um, and that also be fun so set collection yeah. is number three for us and uh, number two uh, this we may catch some flack for this one but this is just dice rolling just rolling dice it's that it's because it's that simple like these you you shake these things Barry, around in Barry your hands just got hurt by this yeah yeah <laughs> If I know that our friend Barry, if there's two things that have traumatized him in life, it's been bidding and dice rolls. Yeah. Um, Do you literally, I mean, there, there's different elements of this, right? You have dice selection, you have dice drafting, you have mm -hmm. uh, maybe dice dice crafting, dice dice forge. Is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, di dice rolling. So yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. Take these cubes, chuck them, and see what see what you get, and maybe choose a couple in the in the process. So I think that's really simple, and it can be really fun too. Uh, roll to move maybe isn't uh, part of this mechanic. It's been, it's been well established. Monopoly's not a good game. Yeah. We're just, it's, sorry. If, if anybody is choosing to listen to board game podcasts from two unknown people in West Michigan and loves Monopoly, they're just, they're, you're, you're odd. Yeah, we're in the um, wrong place. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't really need them. Um, so for our number one, we now have four people in the room waiting with bated breaths. Uh... Two of them are us. Uh -huh. um, engine building. Mm -hmm. This one's weird because Board Game Geek does not actually recognize it as a mechanism. Probably because it's a somewhat generic idea and it's hard to pinpoint. But what we're talking about here is basically if I'm trying to get a beginner hooked in games and I'm trying to explain to them that mm -hmm. games are not Monopoly. Games are not even Risk, which is, you know, just that's wrong. But um, mm -hmm. games can be something that, like, give you a payoff or your strategy that are fun, that are interesting, that... You can chain combos together and be like, wow, that's so cool. Now that I do this, I can do this, this, and this. That's engine building, right? right. So, um, Well, I think part of the nature of it not being a recognized mechanic is because most of the time it just underlies a lot of other mechanics like right. resource management and other things like that. But the, the payoff, like you said, of, I mean, it's literally in the title, like you build your engine and you get to watch it work over time and progress and get bigger and yeah. get more fun and, and have more rewards for you. And so I think for beginners... For them to be able to see that happening and like watch the gears turn while you're playing an engine building game with them is right. can be really satisfying for a whole group to, to see that play out. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, a lot of these games are more that it's satisfying for you and the person <laughs> next to them, their engine is satisfying for them. Right. That's my wife's favorite game where she can be playing by herself and I'm not there, but she really likes what she did. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you're trying to hook a, a beginner, like seeing like, oh, I made this. Like yep. that's, that's, that's a fun and... Um, that's a cool thing that I think 
all of our categories from beginners on to gamers are uh they like that yeah so yeah, so totally. that's our top six. That's this week's top six uh, mechanisms for beginners for yeah. hooking them and getting them and spreading the gospel of games. That's absolutely right. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for the podcast for Caffeine and Cardboard this week. Thanks for tuning in, guys. go sipping on this duncan medium roast that's uh the coffee of the week um this is where our theme song would be so should we just pause for a minute for editing (laughs) i don't think we'd have to do that (laughs) no we have to oh did it just stop (laughs) all right we're back up i don't know what happened because it's not dead there's i sell 40 percent so just like all right. I don't know. That's right. My computer must have hated our list as much as Barry does. <laughs> no. Can't get behind this. Uh, we don't have a way to like or subscribe yet. But we, we haven't when posted one. We haven't posted yet. one. But when that happens, uh, do both of those things. Like it and subscribe. Thanks for joining, guys. <laughs> Forgot you have to say that.